Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thank you so much for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spy. Great to have you with us. This is the unapologetically niche podcast about former players of Chesterfield Football Club. Now, on the podcast this week, I spoke to Luke Beckett. Now, when I started this podcast way over a year ago now, Luke Beckett was one of the most requested names by people listening to the podcast. So it was great to finally track him down. Um, and he was very, very happy to come on and talk about his football career. He is uh, a born and bred goal scorer, lived and breathed goals. Um, so it was really interesting to have a chat with him about uh, what the qualities were that made him a great goal scorer, the feeling of scoring a goal and the things that he's taken away from his football career. You can hear the passion in his voice when he talks about scoring goals. Um, so there's plenty of video footage of the goals in the podcast as well uh, to bring back some happy memories. Now, in that period at Chesterfield, obviously Luke Beckett joined us at the turn of the century, was part of the squad that Nicky Law put together under the ownership of Darren Brown. And at the time there was controversy when the police raided the club, um, that there was kind of uh, rumours, reports of two contracts for Luke Beckett that were created to lower the tribunal fee from when he joined us at Chesterfield from Chester. Um, Luke was really uh, happy to, for me to ask those questions and gave his honest answers to those. Um, so I hope it sheds a bit of light on that troubled time at the club. But the most important thing to take away from this podcast is that Luke Beckett was a born goal scorer. So just enjoy listening to him talk about scoring goals because it's absolutely what football is all about. As always, we are at Spire Legends on Twitter, Instagram, Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so please do get in touch. Uh, but here we are with the latest episode of Legends of the Spire with Luke Beckett. If we start at the beginning, so you're Sheffielder, aren't you? Yeah, I'm from Sheffield. Um... In just up from Wednesday ground, Hillsborough, Parson Cross, just up there. Uh, literally a five-minute walk from Chef Wednesday ground. Um, from Bourne, same house until I were, well, I moved out, I think I was 24. I, I was still at Chesterfield when I moved out. I loved, loved it at home. Him and my dad were great. Left me to my own devices. And it was only when I met me, who was my wife now, uh, when I was at Chesterfield that... We, 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 um, my wife got pregnant. And we moved. We moved to Chapel Town in Sheffield. Just um, yeah, born and bred, and just just a, a nice place to, to to sort of grow up. Yeah. Which which side of the city are you then? Are you are, are, are... Uh, neither really. I'm I'm a man. I know it sounds a bit thingy now because everyone's a Man City fan, but in them days it weren't cool to be a Man City fan. But yeah. me um, my mum was the big driving force of football. She her and her dad or my granddad, they were big Man City fans. They're from Manchester. All my family are from Manchester. And my dad, who wasn't right bothered about football, and and that's where that come from. So yeah, we um, we were season ticket holders at Man City until I were well 15 until I until I were uh, left and I had to go to Barnes and I, I couldn't go anymore. We we went to City. That was when City were struggling yeah. up and down leagues. Um and man, you were doing good, you know. So, but I mean, I, I ain't been to a, I ain't been to a football match for years. But yeah, we were. Uh, but all my friends were obviously. I went to school. Everyone were Wednesday or United. All my mates were United fans. I live near Wednesday ground, so whenever City played United or Wednesday, we're just you know I was the only Man City fan. 
but whereas now everyone's a Man City fan, you know, you, you want to be a Man City fan, don't you? But but yeah, so um, Man City fan went there um, when I was, you know, when I was a kid with my dad. It's probably in, in Sheffield, it's probably a, a blessing in a way not to be supporting either because <laughs> you don't get wrapped up in that whole Derby Day stuff, do you? <laughs> no, no, it's the same with any city. It's just like, United on Wednesday was so, everyone at school, when you were at school, everyone were like, United on Wednesday, and I would sit, you know, it were like, whenever they were a game, um, it's a big rivalry in, in Sheffield, still is. Um, you know, you don't want to be in town centre when, 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 when Wednesday United are playing, so it's it's just one of them, it's, it is a big rivalry, and just like any other city, you know, two teams. Were you always yeah. a, a, like a football fan then? Were you always a, yeah, always. I were, um, used to watch football like everyone like everyone does. You know, I've seen a few of the, st- the stuff whenever I listen to anyone. In them days, there were nothing else to do. You know, I didn't have a phone until I was 22. I didn't. I never had a computer. All it were were football or tennis or cricket, whatever it were. If Wimbledon were on, you had a tennis racket. Football were on. If cricket were on, you'd have a cricket bat and you'd be playing in the street. That's all it were. Come on from school. Go out. Come on for your tea. Go out. Go to park. That's all you did. Nah, nowadays, I mean, my kids, they're in the room on the phones. But yeah, I always loved football. And from a young age, we used to go. When I were a kid, we used to go every now and again. And then when I were about 12, uh, we got a season ticket and we used to go home. And then about for a couple of seasons, we, my dad took me home and away. We were going to Arsenal. Chelsea, you know, when I was 13, 14, when I was really getting involved and I was playing. Because in them days, you couldn't play football till you were nine. Whereas now, they're like, you're in academies at six years old. You had to be nine years old uh, to even be involved in the team. But always loved football. I mean, my first memory was probably the World Cup in 86. I was born in 76. So just like the Diego and Maradona thing, just, yeah. I just remember that. Uh, and going back, even before that, when Lineker scored that trick, I remember being a kid. I was a kid watching it fruit night because I think it was in somewhere across the other side of the world and it were fruit night. Me and my mum watched it when he had his arm in his uh, cast and that's my first memory of ever watching a game where Will and Nick are scoring actually against Poland, mm. which I think was in 86. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's always been football, always. How did you end up at Barnsley then? Because you were there from, what, like 91 to 98, something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit, well, it's one of them stories where it's a little bit of one where like people fall away. So easy in football. But um, I went to Barnsley. I'd, I'd been at United, uh, Wednesday, Leeds. I'd tried all them clubs and nothing, you know, nothing sort of went. No, I weren't. I mean, I was from nine to 12, 13, I was the best. Tricky little winger, unbelievably. People will be like, well, what are you going on about? But I were. And then I got Osgood Slatters. As a, I, I grew about a foot in about a week. And um, I really struggled around about 14 years old. And I were like, I were like Tim Man. I couldn't move. I had to have time off. Uh, anyway, I had to write with my dad, wrote to Barnsley, went to Barnsley. Um, and I, would, I did really well. Um, and at the time, a couple of years, um, did really well and I got offered a YTS apprenticeship whatever you call it before school oh I'm getting a YTS at school then school's like yeah whatever Lou, you know what else do you want to do 
Um, and then it all just went a bit pear-shaped. There was a youth team coach at the time who had never seen me play. Come must have come to watch a game and I must it didn't fancy me at all. Eric Wynn Stanley. And um they said, no, I'm not sure about it. I want him to come in. So I, I had to go in two weeks before Easter holidays on my GCSE year. I went in two weeks on my own with a kid two years older than me. And I just didn't get a kick out of it. It was just it was just I was just bullied all over. I just couldn't couldn't get a kick and stuff. And then I went in two weeks with in the Easter holidays with my own age, and we all went in, finished the two weeks, and he never said a word to me. He said, oh, the ones I hadn't set out to, um, you come and play for the under-18s on a Sunday. So I come out I come out of the ground. My dad would stood. I just started crying, got in the car, started crying. 16, I've been promised the white ears. No, I mean, it wouldn't happen nowadays. You wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to tell someone they got a white and then not. Got in the car, started crying. My dad said, listen, do you want to be a footballer or not? I said, yeah. He said, right. I'll, we'll do it. We're good. Went to gym that night. Not tomorrow, that night. Listen, we're going to gym. I'm going to get you a sprint coach. I couldn't move. I was, my knees were so shower, even at that age. And my dad, yeah. If it hadn't been for him, I'd have been like any other kid. Oh, right, you know, girlfriends, booze. Stand on street corner, but he went, no, right, we're going to gym. That night, went for his tea, went straight to gym, built me up, got a sprint coach. And it learned me the best thing in life, which were what now called yoga. <laughs> they call it yoga now. In them days, it was just stretching. And everyone who's ever played with me, Elsek, all he did was stretch. I used to stretch before the warm-up. Because because you go, went to um, went to Alan Shrarias in Hillsborough, and all they did were, if it were two hours, it were an hour of warm-up, stretching. And it's the best thing I ever done. Stretching, and I used to stretch. Whenever, whenever I went away, no matter who I away, I'd find a corner, I'd find the showers, whatever it were, and I'd stretch before the warm-up. And that's what I had to do. Uh, I could have just fell by wayside. I'd love to say it were me, but I, I don't think it were. I think it were my mum and dad. If it hadn't have been for them, I'd have probably been... Right, I'm going out with a girl, or I'm going to go for a drink. Yeah. So yeah, so that's how my Barnsley career started. It was pretty, pretty bad. Like I said, luckily for me, uh, Eric Wynn Stanley was a youth team coach that season. He got promoted to first team coach, and um, youth team coach come in, Colin Walker, who changed my life. Mm. Um, I played for the Sunday team on for Barnsley, and and luckily got a YTS about six months later, but I actually did a mechanics course for six months um, from leaving school. Played for the Sunday team. We're doing well. And we had, we had to beg Colin, listen, give me, just, my dad, me and my dad went in, give me, just give me a chance, give me a YTS. He said, you've not got time, though. This was in February. You've only got a year and a half. You, the lads are too good. You can't do it. But I said, just give me a chance. And he did. And went, went and, you know, sort of, did, did okay, and obviously the rest is sort of history, really. From being a kid, my dad was so hard on me. Like He used to shout. He was the only dad that shouted on. If I lost the ball, Luke, do you want to be famous? And, you know, he just used to shout, ball, and Colin took that over. And that's what I needed in my career, and that's what Nicky Law, to be fair, when I, later on when I get to Chesterfield. I need them characters, Carlton Palm was the same, who are going to hold me accountable if I lose the ball. And that's what 
Colin Walker took over. Yeah. He was like, Luke, you've lost the ball. Don't do that again. And it, my career were more scared of letting people down. Mm. Uh, that's why I was letting the fans down more than anything else. And, uh, you know, he, he used to, he took over and where my dad sort of couldn't shout on it anymore, you know, because they were a bit <laughs> embarrassing when you're 18. He used to say, listen, Luke, that's not good enough. You know, and 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 uh, like I said, we Eric, I think I won him over in the end. You know, I think it took a few years, but uh, that was my driving force. I, I hated people who didn't, it were more proving people wrong than yeah, proving people right. Yeah, I think that was more the, the thing with, with my career, especially early on when I was a, a young pro at Barnsley. So you ended up at Chester then, didn't you? So you had a couple of years at, at Chester and that's where you started kind of scoring goals, I suppose, and uh, getting a bit of attention. You were player of the year, I think, there as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I had three years at Barnsley Pro. Uh, Barnsley was in the Premier League the last year. I never got a sniff. Just, I think it was, like I said, with with Eric Winstanley and with Danny Wilson, who was a manager. I think they just... They, they couldn't not listen to what I was doing, but they just didn't want... They just didn't want me to... They, like, couldn't let me go, but they didn't want me. I mean, I was in one squad in three years and I was scoring goals in reserves. It was like, well, we can't really let him go, but we don't want to play him. Mm. And we got relegated from the Premier League. It was last our third year pro. I mean, it wouldn't happen now. 21-year-old, you've not met him. Did. But there were no loan in them days. No one went on loan. And I went into Danny. I knew he was probably going to offer me another contract. And I said, listen, I'm, I've got to go and play football. I was nearly 22 years old. And he didn't say to me, listen, Lung, we've just been relegated. You, I'm going to, you're going to be in there. He didn't, he didn't say that. He said, listen, Lung, right, there's a couple of clubs after, after you talk sort of thing, uh, want you. Um, we're going to want so, uh, some sort of fee for you, small but sell-on and all that type of thing. And he said to me, listen, there's a couple of clubs, Ensford, who were non-league, and Chester, who was in the old third division, the bottom league. Um, go and speak to him, and and that's what I did. He, he didn't say to me, "Listen, you're gonna." I mean, as it happened, about two weeks later, Danny left, went to Chef Wednesday, got a great move, and that year, Barnsley were in the championship, and they were playing kids two years younger than me, and I'd have probably played, but I, I never once have ever regretted yeah. um, what I did. I went to Chester, and I, I, it changed my life. Would you, do you think you'd have ended up staying there a bit longer? Because obviously they ended up getting... It was the second season, wasn't it? They got relegated, didn't they, from the Football League? And Yeah, I mean, I went to Chester and Kevin Ratcliffe for manager and he um, he believed in me and it would it was a big signing. You know, I was only, I think it was 20 grand and a sell-on clause, but he wanted me there. He said, listen, you're my signing. And third division in them days, didn't pay a fee for anyone. But I was a young kid and he, I could have gone to Ensford non-league. They would, they'd, met, they'd had a good cup run. They were offering me more money. They were offering me signing on fee and everything. But in them days, if you drop non-league, it were like dropping into the the Triangle. There were no yeah. coming back from it. Whereas now it's it's a progressional league. Into the it weren't it were one down one up. You, you didn't come back from there. And my youth team managed to listen. Look, don't go non-league. Whatever you do, don't go non-league. You'll not get back. 
and uh, I took a contract at Chester that was so poor to what I was offered somewhere else, but it was in the league. Mm. And all I ever wanted to do, I hated reserve football. I hated, it didn't matter. There was nothing there, whereas just the thrill of the first team, no matter how many fans are there, whether it be 300 at Chester or 3,000 at Chesterfield or 30,000 at Sheffield United, they are 300 diehard fans at Chester. And I, and I just loved it. I, I, and I went there, took a hit. You know, I was travelling four hours a day. I think I was spending more in petrol than what I earned, but it was a chance and, and it worked out well. It, I scored goals in the second season. I think I finished second top goal scorer behind Marco Gabbiadina at Darlington and we got relegated. I got a good name for myself as a lower, you know, lower league uh, sort of striker and then obviously Chester got relegated, which were terrible. Uh, but we had an American owner come in and it was just, I think it was first club ever to went into administration. I, I was so used to it when I went to Chesterfield and we went into administration. I'd already had it with Chester and not getting paid. And um, it, it was such a tough time, but I just absolutely loved it. I loved the first team buzz, you know, like that day. Yeah. I just loved scoring goals. I loved my name being in paper. It sounds selfish. It sounds unbelievably egotistical, but I loved my name being in paper. Like if I scored on a Saturday... I'd ring my mum and dad at home and my wife, Sky Sports News, get on. And they used to come in every hour. The goals had come in and they'd tape it on, you know, all the old VHS. I've got it, I've got it. And then it'd be on goals on Sunday, on a Sunday. And I just loved that. I loved uh, Beckett and newspaper on a, on a Sunday and a Monday. Just absolutely, just loved it. Oh, and like you say, like, uh, just being in front of a crowd and scoring in front of a crowd. It's like any... Like me, like any fan, I've said it on a few podcasts before, but like just give me one appearance on a football pitch and give me a tap in from two yards. It'd just be, uh, I can imagine that the feeling of just being a goal scorer and, and kind of visibly seeing people jumping up and down must just be awesome. Yeah. I like, I loved the fan. I loved everything about like scoring a goal. Like, I get in trouble, Mrs. Arbor go at me, but like having kids, oh, it's such a great, it's not a great feeling, you know, watching you in, in pain while you're having a child, it's not, it's not a great feeling, no, what's a great feeling is scoring away from home at Cardiff in last minute 3-2, take my shirt off, that, that is, I can't, that's the only thing I miss about football, I don't miss anything else. I remember all the 164 goals I scored in the league. I can name them all. I can't name the score because it didn't matter. It mattered the yeah. goal, the score. You know, if you watch any of my goals, my shirt's off or I jump into the crowd because I just loved, absolutely loved the emotion of scoring a goal. No matter whether it's 300 at Chester when I went to Gainsborough, 150, it don't matter. Them 150 people think care as much as 70,000 for an England game. Totally, yeah. And that's what I loved. And there's no one can ever say that I didn't love jumping in the crowd. I absolutely loved it. I, I, it didn't matter who said, don't jump in there, don't do that. No. And even when I moved clubs and I played against an old club, and I mean, I never stayed much way for long, so I never had that 
unbelievable affinity, but if I scored a goal, I couldn't, I couldn't not, not celebrate. It was just, I couldn't not celebrate. It was the best feeling hmm. in the world that I can't, I can't replicate it. Now, you know, my kid's gone to uni and the kids are doing well. It, it, but that sort of raw emotion, I think it is, that raw emotion of that second, I can't get that back ever, no matter whether if I'm a manager. But that's, it's in my head. Yeah, can you like, can you like, uh, almost like visualise like that, like physical feeling of, yeah, never like bring it back in your head, kind of that feeling. Of- yeah, I can. I mean, I've got a picture, um, and it was, I, I did my knee, my crucial ligament. I was out for nine months at Stockport, and I come back in pre-season. I ate it pre-season. I played. I didn't score a goal. Always looked going to be the same. We played Huddersfield. Huddersfield had been promoted. And um, I come back, 20 minutes gone, didn't get a kick at ball. And um, ball come in, and I got a diving head at top corner. Shut my eyes, didn't even know when it went. I just under wet goal went, went in. And there's a picture of me. I've got my arms up, running towards Cotton. Like, if you said to me, look, you've just won lottery a million quid, I could not produce that joy that I had that day. Like I'd been out for nine months. Everyone were like, oh, it's a little going to be seen. That's bloody blah. Scored a dive and had a 20 minutes first game of the season. And that picture says everything about me and football. After seven defeats off the reel, no one expected Chester to blow Torquay away last weekend, but they couldn't follow up at Spotland. Graham Lancashire's sixth in seven games had Dale in front with just nine play. He's bowling them over. And that appeared to be that. But eight minutes from time, Luke Beckett capped a splendid individual performance by starting and finishing the move, which brought his side level. It was certainly no fluke from Luke. But the brave fight back was to end in heartbreak. Dave Bayliss hooking across Wayne Brown for the dramatic winner. And Chester were well and truly browned off. Rochdale 2, Chester 1. And it's interesting because I was I put uh, out on social media that I was talking to you. <clears throat> and um, a few years ago, we had a, a young striker, Luke Rawson, who like, came through the Chesterfield ranks and, and played a few games. I think he's at Bradford Park Avenue now. And his, uh, and his dad uh, tweeted me and said, you know who Luke's named after. Yeah. <laughs> like he's named after Luke Beckett. So it's like it's amazing where you've you've even like this this footballers now out in the world that are actually named after you because their dads like watched you play football, which is just amazing, isn't it? It is amazing, and that that's what I'm saying. Like you don't believe that because you just think Chesterfield. Or if, you know, there's not if it were man you, you'd believe it. But if you're a Chesterfield fan. You do name your son after, you know, that's, yeah. and it's hard to believe. I mean, I remember when I were at Chester, I remember holding, before game, you know, who's ever had a baby, you know, I've named him after you. That's like 24 years ago. Uh, I've named him Luke and, you know, I'd have a picture and stuff. That happened loads of times. So, yeah. like I say, it's, I don't think about it much because it's, it's, it's just a bit blowing smoke up. You know, but people don't like it, it don't matter who it is. I mean, I went to work, so you know, they were like, 
hundred fans, but they loved Worksop. Mm. They were from Worksop and they loved Worksop just as much as anyone does. And um, like you said, we're Lou Wilson and stuff. It's like, you don't believe it now because I'm doing a normal job and no one cares. You know, my kids don't even, like I said, half the time my kids don't even know that I played football because it were, it were years ago. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to, to think that, you know, and mm-hmm. I forget about that because although I, I, anyone who says they don't like it, they do, of course they do. They love people coming on. I used to go to Meadowall. Everyone had want an autograph, you know, like, because I played for Chesterfield local clubs. Mm. I don't want to be hassled. Yeah, you do. You want to be hassled. Because when you're not being hassled, that's when you're... That's when you got to worry. Yeah, you know, that's when you've got to worry. That's what I've said. That's when you've got to worry. People love it. They said they don't, but they do. Mm. No matter how big you are, you love people loving you. And when they don't love you, you know you're not you're not you're not doing it anymore. Right? You're not you're not in the in the limelight. Yeah. So so how did it all come about with Chesterfield then? So this is like two, so this is two thousand and it was uh, Mickey Law, wasn't it? Who was had kind of taken? Yeah. That. I'd like I said, I'd scored nineteen goals for Chester. We got relegated. Um, there was an American owner in the year before, and there were loads of clubs after me. Um, we weren't getting paid. I got Sam and Macker at Macclesfield. He met me in Sheffield. Lou, you're not getting paid. You can give two weeks' notice and leave. I said to Sammy, I'm not doing that. The manager was Kevin Ratcliffe. And he put so much faith in me. I said, I'm not doing it. There's no way am I ditching the club. They've given me a chance. I'm not doing it. If you want me, put a bid in. I were doing well. Um... Played that season, and then this American owner come in, and I said, "Listen, I've done well. I did well. I had it on and off season. The first thing I were injured a couple of times, but I'd scored a few goals, and I I'd got a bit of a. You know, there were a few clubs after me. And he said, "Listen, look, you've got a year left. I'm not giving you no. You've got your contract." And I thought, right, okay. That season, I scored 19 goals. We got relegated, just, um, and there were loads of clubs. Every club in that division wanted me, and and really in the league below, they, I got a phone call from Nottingham Forest manager. You know, they were anyone who could like sort of afford that wanted me. Uh, yeah. They were York, York, Russian and Diamonds who were in the league below had got some money. Uh, York, Mansfield, and Chesterfield uh, could. This agent come to I can't remember his name. Agent come to me, said, look. I can get you this, this, this. I was like, right, brilliant. You know, it was like four or five times my wage at Chester. You know, it was ridiculous uh, what what, what I was going to get offered. And I was like, right, leave it to you. We went to Rushton, spoke to Mansfield on phone. York went to Nicky. Um, And I just liked it. For a start, it was close for me because I live, obviously, lived in Sheffield. I've been travelling four hours a day to Chester. It was just, like I said, it was a nightmare. Chesterfield was so close. They'd just come down from, I think, League One, whatever it were in them days. Um, in them days, there were no... I mean, I didn't have a computer till I didn't, I didn't... You couldn't look up internet. It was just like, oh, Chesterfield have been relegated, but they're going to be a big club. They've got a new chairman, new manager. Uh, I went to speak to Nicky and Ian Banks, me, me and I just thought, yeah, this he looks like a 
character who's going to want to pull the best out of me. Similar to my youth team and my dad. Mm. He just looked like one of them that, like, Nicky looked like one of them where, look, if you don't do, if you're not doing good, I'm going to, I'm going to chin you tight. That's how it looked with Nicky. And that's, I like that. I like that fear of not wanting to let people down. And that's what Nicky were like. It's funny because no. like I, I spoke to obviously spoke to Nicky Law on the on the podcast, and even speaking to him on Zoom, it kind of I felt like a bit intimidated because he's still got an aura around him. Oh yeah, that you think like I, I will I won't mess with him. And no, you, you know won't that mess. He, he wants what he wants, you know. Which is, I mean, it was really interesting speaking to. Him. I really loved speaking to him, but he, he like has got like an quite an intimidating oh. aura around him. I mean that as a as a, yeah. as a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's a big compliment. He was that that's what he were. And they demanded that from you. Mm. And I love that, you know, because that's what got the best out of me. Some people don't like that demand. I love that demand of come on, Lou. You know, you've just lost ball. Don't don't do that again. Yeah. Like I said, I'm more I'm all played through the fear of hearing my dad saying, you know, do you want to be famous? Don't don't do that. Don't let that defender take it off you again. No. Yeah. That that's what I loved and that's what Nicky brought. It, it was so thorough and the players they were signing it were a no-brainer. I, I were gonna go to Chesterfield and it was just the best move for me at the time. I, I... Roger Willis down the line. Fortune comes across straight away. Willis sends a good ball inside, a good run from Galloway. Beckett now if he can drive one. Blue shirts arriving in vast numbers all of a sudden. Ebden in the area. Beckett giving churn. Still Lou Beckett. Yes! Ryan Williams against his former club. Scores for the Spyrites. <laughs> Chesterfield 2, Mansfield Town 0. And we still have seven minutes of the first half remaining. Which Bobby Mims will take. Edwards, Willis, Beckett's chance now for Chesterfield. Beckett's away here, he put it past the keeper. Yes! 3 0 to the Blues. Luke Beckett, the goal scorer for Chesterfield. So it, it, it was like, it was a ridiculous, like some of the signings they made. Uh, around then and the squad that they put together and I've had like uh, people like Sean Parrish and had David Reeves and uh, a, a few others um, on from that season and uh, and yeah I mean it was a it, it, could you tell right from the start like looking around at your fellow teammates that this was a, a good squad that had been put together yeah like I said I hated the reserve football the, it not mattering and when I went to Chester some of the characters at Chester like Just the, the players were just, it was just sort of different attitude. There was no big time, like in the youth team and the reserves, it, it, it had gone. It were first team football. And um, I mean, the first day I went to Chester, I pulled, I was so nervous. I rung my mum from a phone book and I have a mobile phone. I was so nervous going into Chester. I didn't know anyone. I was 22, I never met a day. You know, and you're in corner. It was first day of prison, I took my shirt off and, and they were, and next minute I heard, and I'll, I'll just let you out of prison because I've got a few tattoos. And, and it were a kid called Gary Bennett who were an older professional. 
striker. I was going, I was coming in there to take his position, and he just made that comment and introduced me to everyone. And like Dave Flickcroft, these players like in, it was just so to introduce someone in like that. It was just brilliant. Them people, I can can't thank him enough for just breaking ice and getting him involved. Um, and it was the same with Chesterfield. Like, I'd, obviously, by then, I'd got a name. I'd scored a few goals. And I was coming as a fairly big... Because, obviously, when I left Chester, I was 23. So, it went to Tribunal, mm-hmm. which we'll come on to no, later. I mention it. <laughs> I'm sure. And, um, um, it was the same with, like, David Reeves. Like, older striker. Not coming to take his place, but coming in there and... Did he, did he treat me? No, he didn't. He treated me as a friend, introduced me to everyone. And that's what football is. Like, I've never come across one person in the whole of my career in football who I can say I didn't like him. Not one. All just absolute brilliant. Like, the players at Chesterfield, we had Reeves, Mike Pollitt, Brecking, I can run for all team. Brecking, Blaverwick, Steve Payne, Steve Tuttle, Ebden, Richardson, um, Ryan Williams, um, Sean Parrish, what oh, character like? Just like, and then me and Reeves are just, and then like in the, like John Howard, Roger Willis, players who are coming and taking their space. Did they treat me any different? No. Those treat me like I were the best friend. And that's just brilliant, you know, that you just get on with it. And I took that when I were later on and young kids were coming and taking my spot. I would never begrudge to it. I, I tried to help them, like Reezy did with me. I looked up to Reezy like I was 23. He was, I think he must have been in his 30s. And um, no, I wanted to be. David Reed. I wanted to be 10 years that line still scoring goals and that's what I wanted to be. You really, went hit, to, it you really hit it awesome as well, you two. <laughs> it scored, what, we did. nearly 30, what, it's about 20, was it like 29, 30 goals between you that season, something? It was, I think it had a great partnership. Totally brilliant. We should have scored more. I scored 18 goals that season and that's the worst season I've ever had. I should have scored 48, not 18. Um, I missed so many chances. It was just ridiculous. The, the amount of chances I got. And then the season after I went to Stockport, I scored 29 goals and I probably had 29 chances. Hmm. Stop, um, Chesterfield, I had 100 chances and scored 18 goals. It was, I don't know if it were anything to do with what happened. I don't know whatever it were. But I should have done better because the team we had were, I mean, I think Ryan Williams, Sean Parrish all got double figures. Hmm. What what players they are were, I mean Sean, I seen I seen his podcast like he was just a funny character, just just lovely, you know, just, just nice people, just nice blokes, hmm. and everyone was together. That's the thing about football, no matter where, like I said about whether it's three hundred fans or thirty, everyone's together, and we were together. Reezy was like one of them, funny, nice. Brilliant, scored goals. We were very similar in the way we played. We were both not the fastest, but 
both decent in air, but the two the thing that we did both do was score goals. Could sniff a goal at. I mean, now we wouldn't play together now because they wouldn't you wouldn't put two players like that together. I mean, we don't even have two up front anymore, but we were, you know, reasonably like, right, leave it to me. I'll wind everyone up. I'll go for Edders and you. And I love that. <laughs> leave that to you, Riz. You, know, you, <laughs> you, go and, you go and get elbowed in face and I'll... But we both helped each other. And the one thing everyone loves, a trier. And I know Riz were the same as me. Whether you play good or bad, You've got to try. Run a ball down. There were no one got a free. If the ball went in channel, one of us went. No one got a free ball. No one got a free header. And if the ball went in the box, one of us were on, on the end of it. And that's, with the rest of the players, that's why we did so well. That start of that season, like we hit the ground running straight away. So I've got the table in the background, but you know, like, Won the first three games of the season, I think. Obviously, one of them was like a cup game, but um, just kind of hit the ground running in terms of how the team were all working together and scoring goals and uh, and stuff. Did it surprise you how quickly that team kind of got to, got together and started winning games? No, not not at all. We we went. I think pre season we might have gone up to Scotland. <laughs> And we had, you know, like some of the characters we had, I think we might have played there and some like that. I can't remember where we stayed, but I struggled pre I struggled pre-season because one thing I hated, as I've said before, I hated games where there were nothing on it, no riding on it. So like the reserve games and pre-season I were terrible. But when you go to a new club, you've like got to whereas when, if you've been there two years and you have a bad pre-season, no one cares. Whereas when you go to a new club, I went to I went to Chesterfield and couple of games and I was struggling a bit and I, I remember in Scotland and Nicky coming to me and listen don't worry about it you know a couple of games whatever but because I'd gone and it was a bit you know a bit of a price tag and um, he, he said don't worry about it you know you'll be alright and um, but the anticipation were there no doubt you know with, with the players we'd signed it we're definitely we're, we're going to do you know we're going to be there I remember looking at odds and we were one of favourites. Me and Reese were, you know, up there, top goal scorer type. He was one of them. It were, that's where we're going to be. And we started season and I think we might have played York. I, did, I don't think I played very well in that first game. I don't think I scored. But the good old Coca-Cola Cup got me at Port Vale and I scored yeah. at Port Vale. And, but yeah, there was definitely an anticipation that we, not we're going to, but we needed to as well. Because obviously, when you get relegated, like obviously I weren't there, but Chesterfield got relegated. So if you get relegated, the chance you're going to be one of the favourites to go up. Yeah, yeah. Unless obviously that it really has it the fan. Um, so not only that, and the players would sign. You know, come on, like you've got to be doing it. And at first, like I say, when I went to up to up to Scotland, I was struggling a little bit. I just couldn't score a few games. I hated pre, like I say, I hated pre-season. I hated the games because there were nothing on. Needed, needed that buzz of Monday morning, some newspaper or Luke Beckett scored type thing, you know, that, that that type of thing. But no, there were definitely a big anticipation about about what we needed to do. It's funny as well. I'm looking at like the fixtures at the start of that season, and uh, 
And obviously, we because we were winning straight from the off, we were top of the league <laughs> pretty much right from the start of the season and kind of stayed there. There was a great 4-0 win against Mans- uh, against uh, Mansfield, which you, you scored in, I think, near the start of that season as well. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, any kind of favourite goals that you can... That, that are kind of top of your head from time at Chesterfield, probably putting you on the spot a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I know every goal. <laughs> That's the only thing I do do is I know goals. <laughs> um, just, I remember scoring Lincoln away. You know, when you got loads of fans there, the fans were behind a goal. I don't even know if it were in a cup game. I can't remember, but I scored and the fans were just like, even though they were behind a goal, a couple of thousand, um, the goal I scored at Cardiff, which got us promoted, but didn't. Yeah. The three-three game, I scored an header. We had two minutes ago, which I thought were the winner. I took my shirt off, which probably weren't a good idea in in Cardiff, you know. Um, and then they got an equaliser, but they were up there with us. That were a a good goal, but. Like I say, any any goal I scored, <laughs> but some of them games were just it were just it were a lot a lot riding on them. They were quite an intense. I mean, the Mansfield game, like I didn't realise how you know how close that rivalry is between Chesterfield and Mansfield. You know, we were outside the ground and like, right, look, this is you know, <laughs> and I think we beat them four or five nil. Um, and then when we play, I think we played them away at Mansfield, we must have had about, I think the whole ground with Chesterfield fans. It was, it's a big rivalry, you know. And like I said, any goal I scored, and I, I can I can name you the goal. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a big thing. But yeah, I think the Cardiff one when I scored an header, um, and like I said, the Lincoln game, like just mm. every game. And then I think I, I think I can't even remember now. It's that long ago, but I think I scored the goal that got us promoted. Um, I think like, I won one nil. I can't remember because we got promoted about three times that year, um, <laughs> but didn't get promoted. But did um, I think I scored a goal, the one nil from a I think from oh. a corner. Some yeah, it was like Kidderminster. I think it was. It? Yeah, Kidderminster. Yeah, one nil. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember all of them. All of them. But some of them games, like we played Hull, Cardiff, and uh, the fans were just so. On it, you know, the bit away fans and the home fans, it'd get stopped for ten minutes because there were a bit of crowd trouble. It was like it was like <laughs> it was like the OK Corral. That Chesterfield fans were so intense. I played at so many clubs, and they'd have middle-aged couples going in. But Chesterfield was the club where every single supporter at Chesterfield sent to bed a man aged between. 20 and 30 or one you know you had to <laughs> yeah. they were playing on a Sunday morning they wanted you to play like they would play on a Sunday morning just so intense and demanding Chesterfield fans were so demanding it is unbelievable Blatherwick is up from the back, he's towards the far post, it's in his direction, and he scores! Steve Blatherwick's first of the season, what a time to get it! And the champagne is back on ice at Ninian Park by uh, Beckett, 
and Ebden towards Reeves. Still Reeves! That's a super finish. Chesterfield back in front. No blame attached to the goalkeeper, but the defenders in front of Carl Muggleton rather stood and watched there. Ebden will take the kick. Reheader, and it's in! Unbelievable! Luke Beckett has scored, and there is no way now, surely, that Cardiff can go up today. They've hardly had a chance in the second half. But their top scorer, Luke Beckett, has headed in Ebden's corner. So how would you, for, for any kind of younger fans that are, that are watching, that, that didn't see you for the first time, how would you kind of describe your style as a striker? I think just like, I was average at everything. Like, I'm, I'm brutally honest, you know, when I went to Sheffield United, I weren't good enough for that level. I was a League One player, but um, I think I got the best out of what I had. I was average at everything, you know, heading, pace, I was average, ball control, dribbling, not absolutely Bob average, but the one thing I could do was sniff a goal. A bit same to David Rees. Rees was probably a, a better player than me, but all someone said, to, when I went to Chester, Gary Bennett said to me, old striker, he said, listen, Lung, forget all this pity-patty youth team football. Hold the ball up, if the ball comes to you, hold it up, give it to the same coloured shirt and get in the box and score a goal. And if you do that 20 times, you'll be all right. And that's that's what I took. I took that advice. If the ball come up to me, I'd hold it up, play it to the same coloured shirt, even if it were a simple pass. Because if you don't play it back to the same coloured shirt, you lose possession and players I mean demanded that at first team level Lee Richardson Ian Brecken Blatherwick these players would not allow you to lose the ball so if the ball come up to you you had to chest it trap it and give it to midfielder wide get in the box and then when the ball comes in the box you've got to make a run that sounds easy but it's not it's not as easy as it seems because if it were they'd be like 30 players scoring 20 goals a season. And when you look at the end of the season, there aren't that many. It's hard. It's not as easy. When you score a tap-in or an header at front put, it's not as easy as it seems. Mm. It's You've got to anticipate. Life's, I mean, I, I said to my kids now, life's about anticipation. You've got to anticipate. My kids are driving, trying to drive now. Anticipate the, the what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I did quite well. Everything else I were average at. But when that ball went in the last third, if that ball went wide, I'd make a run. I wouldn't just stand there, front post, back post. I'd weigh up the situation. If someone had a shot, I'd follow it in. A defender would never follow in. I'd follow in. Number of times someone's had a shot, come off off keeper or come off post. That's anticipation. That's, that's all it is. And if I would say I like a striker, you've got to anticipate 
the unexpected, anticipate it coming off post, coming off keeper. Or you've got to make a run. You can't just stand there with the defender. You've got to go near post. And 20 times it'd go far post, but you've only got to score one goal a game. And that's, that's, that's the only advice I could give is I had that. I didn't have anything else. Everything else was average, same as anyone else, same as a Sunday league player. But that anticipation and oh, just instinct, yeah. you know. Um, so we're absolutely uh, going along smoothly along that season, kind of cruising high near the top of the league, scoring lots of goals. <laughs> <laughs> and then the police turn up and I mean it was I mean it, it, in many ways it's not funny because things that happen to the club and everything but when I have, talking to Sean Parrish and he was saying you know the first thing is players are kind of thinking where's my bootleg cassettes the police have come for it I mean and I've spoken to a lot of players and even Nicky around that time now and it becomes quite apparent that you all really didn't know uh really a jot of what was going on really um and that it was just completely mad when it happened so how, how did you see it from your point when police just turn up and then Nicky has to come and tell you at training it's well um I don't know how to explain it I mean I'd been at Chester uh, I'm kind of my administration thing I think Chester were the first club to ever go in I mean now nah. Clubs going to administration all the time. I think Chester were the first club to go into administration mm. when I was there. And that's what happened to Chesterfield. But before that, obviously, I went to Chesterfield. I had an agent. I didn't know him. He said to me, listen, Lou, you're doing well. I've got these clubs for you. This is the wage you're going to get. It's a very good wage for that league, but you've been, you've done well. You top one of the top goal scorers. This is what I can get you. These clubs are involved. I went to speak to them all. That's what I was going to get. What happened after that, I do not know. I went in that boardroom with Nicky. I talked football. We didn't talk money because the money was already sorted. This is what you're going to get, Lou. Mm. I talked to Nicky. I liked him. And we, we went on. What happened after that? Honest and truthful, even to this day, 22 years later, I ain't got a clue. I don't know the truth, I don't know what happened. All I know is that every night, every week, something happened from probably around about Christmas onwards. I think there were people in the club. I think the new ownership got rid of people that was, got rid of people but kept people on. People weren't happy with what was happening and like I said honest and truth I don't know even to this day I keep out of things that I don't know about if I can't if I don't know about it I won't speak about it. I don't know all I know is I mean I signed in June I met my wife who's you know been together 20 years in October and round about that time, they started investigating. And we was in, I don't know if it was a Daily Mirror. And every day in the Daily Mirror, it was, not here when it weren't back page news, but it were two or three pages in, it were like half a page. My wages, this, that and other. And I would just met my wife. And like her dad's like really strict. It's like, who have you met here? You know, he's, 
he's doing this, he's doing that. It were it were quite bad. I mean, my mates today still call me biscuit tin. That's how bad it were. We were going to away grounds and they were spitting at us, Cardiff. Spitting at us, like calling us biscuits in brown envelope. Like we were just trying, we just wanted to play football. You know, I just wanted to play football. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I didn't want it. Obviously, they had a tribunal with Chester. And obviously the gist of it was that they offered me a contract and put another contract in to get the fee down, which were ludicrous, really, because I'd been offered the deal the same with three or four clubs. So then them chairman just come and said, well, hold up a minute here. I offered Lou this amount. So did I, York, Mansfield, Macclesfield. Why would he take half that money? He won't, you won't do so. It was just a, it was just an unbelievable, stupid thing to happen. It must have been tough for you because obviously you were one of the players that kind of, like you said, got kind of your name put in newspapers and stuff like that. And, you know, it, and, and you still have to go out on the pitch and play football, don't you? And I, I suppose even when going away from Chesterfield and stuff like that, it's those kind of things can kind of stick with you, can't you? Over the years. Well, they lived live for years. Like everyone, like I used to get biscuits in, brown envelope at Cardiff and Brighton and them clubs who were involved. But I mean, we are sounding a bit too thingy. I loved it. <laughs> I I absolutely loved going away from home. My ideal scenario was going away from home on a Tuesday or Saturday. Fans booing me, which they did, because they, they all us used to boo the striker who was scoring, you know, Dean Windass, Lee, you know, Lee, Lee Trundle, them type of characters. You'd get the stick. I'd get the stick. I would gain it more. But I loved it. I loved scoring a goal and going back to halfway line oh, 43rd minute, Luke Beckett. I absolutely loved it. It, it. it just drived me on. I loved that being in the limelight. And that's what did me at Sheffield United when I went to Sheffield United later on, is I wasn't that player yeah, yeah I yeah. was a no one and I didn't like that I like being the man the player that you know the away fans hated because I was scoring goals and if I scored it was like they'd sort of they'd be booing you but they'd be really oh god he's gonna done it again that type of thing I loved it yeah it didn't put me off at all I mean because I said I should have scored more than 18 goals I don't know if it did put me off. I don't know I should have scored more but I scored 18 goals. I think Reeves, he got round about same. Parish. Yeah, I think you just pipped him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but I think I did. I think <laughs> by a couple of goals. But I think Parish, um, Ryan Williams all got double figures. It, what a team we had, but I don't think it bothered us too much. We, we got the points deducted, but I think if we hadn't got the points deducted, I think we would have best team. Brighton had a good team. Bobby Zamora, they, they had a good team. But I think we were the best. But we got the points and we we managed to get through. Yeah. First against third should have been a close contest. Instead, it turned into a rout. And that after the Londoners had taken an early lead. Steve Watts, the scorer, on a ground his side hadn't visited since 1982. And after Chesterfield's spirited fight back, they won't be in a hurry to return. Within a minute, John Howard got behind the O's defence to slot in the equaliser. And Leighton Orient were then killed off by three goals in five devastating minutes. 
first, another clinical finish from Howard gave Chesterfield the lead. 60 seconds later, Rob Edwards' long ball gave Luke Beckett the chance to show off his own shooting skills. 3-1. And six minutes from the break, Howard unselfishly sacrificed a hat-trick to tee up Sean Parrish for the fourth. To cap a miserable afternoon, Orient later had substitute Chris Tate sent off. And we had to kind of get promoted twice, didn't we? In the end. So, I mean, it was amazing that you managed to keep winning and kind of see it through after points deduction and everything that's going on behind the scenes to kind of uh, see it through and kind of have to do it twice. What were the celebrations like at the end of that season? Brilliant. The, the lads were brilliant. We're all season, we were just so together. Like, we had lads there. We, we'd go out in Sheffield, Chesterfield, Nottingham. We'd go to Nottingham because um, Roger Willis, Marcus Ebden, we'd, so we'd go to Nottingham for a night out. We'd go to Sheffield, me, Reeves, yeah. We'd go to Chesterfield. It, the lads were just on, on it. Like, it was just, what a good set of lads. Like John Howard, Roger Willis, Marcus Ebden. Reeves, Blavowick, Brecken. I could name them all. I can name all the squad. I can't name the squad in some other clubs, but them lads. I mean, I travelled in with two younger lads, Danny Williams, Michael Simpkins, who were young lads. Just friend people who I'd say, I've not spoke to for years, but I know that they are friend, you know, yeah. people who... The kind of people, got, if you saw them again in the street, you'd kind of pick up where you left off. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been to clubs. I've been to like stop back to stop, but and I saw Carlton Palmer manager. I'd not seen him for twelve years. It was just like I'd never not seen him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what football's like. You don't speak to people for years, but and I don't. Then again, I don't speak to my own friends. You know what I mean? I'm not one of them ones on. But like I said, the lads were, we were together, everything. Hmm. All together, like on, off, just, just, just brilliant. It's just like I say, it's, them days are just stick with me has been top draw days. Really, you know, I loved it playing, playing, doing what I love doing. For you know, when you're a kid, you think, oh, I want to be a footballer, getting paid to be a footballer, and doing well. Yeah, yeah. Is is it just just like just everything really and then obviously we go into like second season so you obviously didn't play that many games kind of second season because I, I saw it yeah kind of written on various places like that you were the only like saleable asset that was left so it was like they wanted to kind of move things around you were the kind of uh so it was like a bit of a swap deal wasn't it with you and Glenn Hurst wasn't it that, that's all you mean. yeah it was a weird it was a weird one really because we had such a good team but the only thing, I don't mean this is disrespectful to the players that were there, but there were more, it was an old senior team. Like your players, like, they were brilliant players, but they weren't, like, going to move for, for any amount of money because they were, you know, getting on sort of thing. So, obviously, when the um, proverbial hit the fan, it were like, right, we've got a, obviously, when you go into administration and everything goes wrong, You've got to get rid of your asset. So anyone on big money, 
a lot of the lads who were on big money were only going to go on free transfers because they were a bit older. Yeah. Like Reza. I know that's not disrespectful to Reza, but he had his, he was in his 30s. No one's going to pay money, but he's on big wage set or, you know, say like the, the, some of the older lads. So it was like, right, we've got to get rid of anyone who we can get a fee for. And obviously I was one of them. Um, and Nicky come to me, like I said, everything I did the fan. Nicky come to me and said, listen, look, I've got to get rid of whoever I can. And you are one of them ones that I can get money for. And I don't know how quick it happened, but I knew Glyn Hurst from, I was a YTS with Glyn at Barnsley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, uh, I think he was a year older than me. Mm. We was, we played in the reserves, absolutely. Had a partnership, brilliant. Yeah. What a player he was, character. And I'd seen Glenn out in a night in Sheffield and he said to me, he hated it at Stockport, Carlton Palmer took over and he, Carlton Palmer didn't like him. And he said to me that he thought that Chesterfield was interested in me. So, it, we're only a couple of weeks later. I got a phone call. Oh, um, Nicky said, "Listen, you, we're trying to get, we want to get rid of you. I don't want to lose you, but." Um, and I went. I met Carton Palmer in Sheffield, and he was the same type of character. I knew that he was going to demand. He weren't going to mess. He wanted. He were going to demand from me. And um, they was in the championship, although they'd already been near enough relegated. They were bottom of the league, and it was Christmas, just coming. So I said, "Yeah, let's let's do it." And he said about Glen Hurst. I mean, I said at the time I did an interview, Chesterfield got the best part of the deal because Glenn, me and Glen Hurst were similar type of players at that time, same age. Ersty was as good as me, both same players. And I think, I can't remember exactly the deal, but I think maybe Stockport paid about 150 grand. Chesterfield got 150 grand or whatever and got Glenn Erste. Ersty was. You both scored goals. Uh, both, it listen, wasn't like, it wasn't like either. Sometimes if you swap strikers or whatever, you could, one of them can not find a goal scoring form or whatever. But, but both of you. Swapped clubs yeah. and, and scored goals. So it kind of worked out all right in the end, I suppose, didn't it? Of course it did, yeah. I mean, I remember, like I said, I said, sport to Glenn and he he wanted the move. He he didn't like Park, Carlton Palmer. And Palmer really cut his nose off despite his face because he could have got a fee for Glenn. Hmm. No doubt, you know, Glenn was banging goals in. He'd bang goals in Ferrer and Emley. And Glenn went, he, he, he let him go for nothing and me paid 150, 70, you know. So Chesterfield got a great deal. I said it at the time. I went to Stockport, did really well for three years. And, and that was the way it was. Carl Palmer sold me the, the deal. He was the same type of character. I want you in there. You're my main man. I love that. I love the pressure of you are going to be the one. And, and that's, and, and, and it happened. And, and I were. And then there was a couple of other kind of big moves, wasn't there, even after then? So there was like, like you mentioned, Sheffield United, you ended up there and, all right, it didn't, uh, I suppose, didn't quite work out at Sheffield. But then you but then you had kind of Huddersfield after that, didn't you? Scored, scored a good amount of goals for Huddersfield and stuff. 
Yeah, I went to, like I said, I went to Stockport, did really well. And then um, I had a bad injury, come back and then went to, I was going to sign for Hull. I was going for a promotion in the championship, but I failed the medical. I had coming back from a knee. Anyway, my, the agent at the time was an agent of United as well. He said, listen, I'll get you to United. And um, by the Monday morning, I was at Sheffield United, which was a dream move because I lived in Sheffield. It was two minutes from home. I'd got... My wife was pregnant with twins, ready to drop. I'd got a kid. I'd got me eldest was 12-month-old. Um, and it was just like a dream move. It was a chance. Neil Warnock said to me, listen, because at the time, Neil was, he was signing strikers like going and buying a bag of sweets. Oh, I'll buy him. I'll buy him. I'll buy him. I'll get rid of him. And he didn't, he didn't flannel that up to me. He said, listen, Lou, I'm getting you cheap. United were going for promotion in the championship. They were struggling for a field goal. I'm buying you for cheap. You're a local lad. It's a good marketing move for me, or young, you know, local lad coming by. Yeah. But you're not going to play. You're going to be. You're coming back from your knee. We'll get you right, and we'll see how it goes. That's what he said to me, and I said, "Fair enough." And I went to United, and it didn't work out for me. It didn't work out. I, I was so coming on odd time. And I just wanted to play. I hated being a nobody. I went to United and other than the Ardent fans, I mean, you go to Barnes, you go to Sheffield and they've got Ardent fans and know you. I went to Sheffield United and some of the most of the some of the fans would know me, but they're like the over 20,000. But we had a signing day and we were all in a on a table. And I think most of people thought that I was like the kit man. And that hurt me. I've got to admit, I thought, wow, I've gone from Stockport and Chesterfield where I'm, people are naming the kids after me and I'm top man. And I didn't like it at all. I thought, oh, wow, I'm, I'm like a nobody. That's what I was at United. I was a nobody. I didn't like it. Not at all. That. And um, I had about a month there. Then he bought another striker, Danny Webber come in. And I was like, I said to Neil, I said, listen, Neil, come back from injury. Can I go on loan? And he went, yeah. And he sent me out on loan to Huddersfield. Scored six goals in seven games in League One. Where I was comfortable, comfortable in League One. Come back to United, United was struggling. Played one game down at Cardiff, nil-nil. Back on bench. Then I went back out on loan to Oldham in League One for the rest of the season, kept them up, you know, scored a few goals. And then went back pre-season and he said, listen, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go on loan. Went on loan to Oldham all season. Scored 18 goals in the, you know, whatever. So I didn't, United was a great move. It was good at the time because I could spend time with my kids. We just had twins. Like I said, I signed for United on the Monday. My wife had the kids on the Thursday. Twins. We've got three kids under 12 month old. So I, I had the time with the kids. I was training at United and I was back for one. Yeah. So it was good in that sense, but I never ever felt up. I mean, I think 
actually, I was actually at United for about two and a half years, like in actual contracts. But I was on loan and I only ever played one game for United down at Cardiff. And... So you, and then you finished off like, uh, like you mentioned Gainsborough. That was when, was that when Reeves and, and Blatherwick were yeah. kind of at, at Gainsborough? Yeah, I, um, I went to Reeves' wedding in the summer of, I think it might have been 2007. And even then, I was saying to Reeves, I've, I've had enough of that. I've just had enough of, of the... And Reeves were flapping about and stuff, doing whatever. And um, I had a good day at his wedding. And then it was later on that year when he, he was at Gainsborough. And I'd been at so many clubs where chairman had waffled on at how much money they had Chester and Chesterfield. And he said, listen, Lou, I'm at Gainsborough. You'd said to me that you, you're not playing at Huddersfield. What about coming here? The owner owns Wilkinson's, Wilco's. Hmm. He's putting a lot of money in. He wants some... He wants some big names in. And I said, I'm ready. I'm ready. I weren't playing at Huddersfield. I was sub. I didn't like that. I like, like I said, I like to bid him the saw me and man type thing. Yeah. I weren't playing. And um he said, right, well, I'll have a word. Um Reeves and Blatherwick were there. Uh, Steve Blatherwick. <laughs> and um I looked at games where they were in conference north. And um he said to me, right, the blood, blah, blah, blah. So I went to Huddersfield. I said, listen, I'm not, you know, is there any chance of me leaving? And Huddersfield were brilliant. He said, yeah, we'll do this. Um, have you got something sorted? Yeah. So we sorted a contract out and everything. And I went to Gainesville <laughs> and Reza was there. And um, I went there, I think, in November. And I scored... 18 goals in about 25 games. I found it easy mm-hmm. without being disrespectful. Easy. Because they were... I mean, Danny Wilson wanted me at Hartlepool. They were in League One. When I went into Huddersfield that day and I said, listen, I mean, there were other, there were other factors to why I left professional game. My mum weren't very well. She got dementia. I wanted to help out with my mum and dad. That was the main reason. My kids were young. And everything worked out good for me. And I went there and they sorted it out for me. And the, the players were like, all the players were just like, look, I can get you. I know manager at Rotherham. I know manager at Bradford. You know, everyone were like, so like, this is what I'm saying about football. The lads were just, they didn't want me to do what I was going to do. And I said, listen, I'm doing it. It's not for that reason. Yeah. It's for another reason. I'm leaving. I don't care what other club wants to come in for me. I don't care what money. I'm going to Gainsborough. And don't get me wrong, Gainsborough were offering me good money for that level. But I could do it. I'd sorted everything out and everything was fine. And that's what I did. And, and, and yeah, I went to Gainsborough. Breezy were there and usual. Picked up where the banter left off. <laughs> and had a, had a great... Great time. I think I think Reezy left after probably about half a year, a year. Manager got sacked and Brian Little come in. But Reezy, you know, 
did brilliant to get me there. And it, and it all went well. And I was, they were, big, it were big press then, you know, I'd gone to Gainsborough and League One player coming. And not like a, like I said, I weren't a shot League One player. I mean, I could have probably played, still played even League One. What's your relationship now like with football then? Because I can tell speaking to you that actually for you, football was scoring goals and being in front of fans. And I've spoken to loads of players and some have kind of, some go into coaching, some just completely leave football behind and don't watch it anymore. What's what's like your relationship with football now? Like, Well, I finished in about 2011. I didn't want anything to do with football. I never, ever wanted to stay in football from being a young kid. I never, ever. Like Andy, I was at, uh, with other two of Andy Bove. He was going to be a postman. And I said, I'm just going to do whatever. It don't matter. I just don't want to be involved in football. I've had, I've given it me all and I want to come step aside. Hmm. And um, that's exactly what I've done. I, I have nothing to do with football whatsoever. I don't speak to anyone. Not because I'm bitter. I did everything that I wanted to do in football. Got the best out of myself. It's not, I don't regret anything. Nothing. There's not one person who I've come across in football who could ever say, I wouldn't have thought a bad word about me. Mm-hmm. I've got no, oh my God, he's been, I still speak to him now, but everyone I've come across, if I saw him tomorrow, it'd be fine. All has gone with everyone. I've never had a crossword with anyone other than half time and you have a row and then you get up, you get on with it. Never had a crossword with anyone. Never had no bad things to say about anyone. And I don't think anyone could ever say anything bad about me. You know, I wouldn't have thought so. But yeah, I just wanted out and I tried a couple of things. I, I did a personal training. I, I was non-league and I did personal training. I just, I just couldn't get on with it. I just weren't for me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm out of football. I spent a few years where I wouldn't even watch a football match. I was like totally out of it, you know, drinking and eating and oh, doing whatever. And um, now I'm, as the years go on, I'm I'm sort of getting back at like my daughter likes football and she wants to go to the games. And so it's like getting sort of back into it because. Yeah, yeah. You sort of get out of it and then you get the love back. And I, I watched the World Cup and the Euros, but I don't get time to. I mean, I ain't even got Sky Sports. I don't even watch football because I've got three girls. It's Love Island and, you know, <laughs> Big Brother or whatever whatever it is. I, I don't get time to watch. You do not anything. get the remote at all. No, I just, I just can't get remote. So it's no good. You know, if I want to watch football, I'll watch YouTube. i watch the goals, City goals against Man United, you know. And they beat Man United, that type of thing. Other than that, just totally out of it, but not not in a bad way. I never, when I was a footballer, I was never a footballer in person. I was always, I never liked all the, I mean, I turned up to United in a, at a seven-seater because I just got me, I was having my kids and like a 10-year-old seven-seater. The lads were taking the mickey. I didn't care. I never, ever bothered about the Range Rover and the, no. I've got this and you know anyone who we ever spoke to I would just so down to earth you know like just the normal I just wanted to be no, normal mm. just like 
that that type of thing, then that's exactly what I've done. I just can't get any more normal than what you know than what I am doing now. Yeah. Well, on behalf of all Chesterfield fans, thank you for all those goals because there were some, like you say, even now, what we 20 years on, people always still talk about your goals that season and uh obviously that promotion and you know it's no doubt a turbulent time but there was a promotion and there was lots of goals and there was some cracking football it was just I mean people look back at that team and look back at you goal score and it was a it was an in- incredible uh kind of year or so that you were with us wasn't it yeah well I mean I've never been involved that's the only promotion I ever had of all the years I was playing never had I was also involved in the lower end of the table that was the only time I ever got promotion so it's not too hard to say that they were the best that was the best team I ever played but it were it was like I said the players that we had Pollitt I can name the team now you know Brecken, Reeves Blaverwick Payne Edwards Reeves Ebden me and Reeves you know I can Brian Williams Sean Parrish it was just, and yeah, we had a bit of luck with the money that they could get them players in. But a lot of people can get the players in, but can't. So Nicky's got to take a lot of credit. And, and he did, and he did, and he went on and done. I don't know what he's doing now, but he did really well with us because we were all, I mean, it's not easy to have players that are a bit highly strong and, I mean, I weren't because I were a bit younger, but, you know, your Reeveses and Pollitts and senior players and they managed to keep them in line, you know. Job and half, so, that is. <laughs> well, I mean, you won't, looking at Nicky, I mean, you won't, you won't, you won't even look at him now and, and look at him and think, I'm going to take Mickey, would you? You just won't do it, so. <laughs> Definitely not. We, did, we didn't do it then and we uh, probably won't do it now, so. Have you got like a box in the loft then with all of like your old shirts and bits and, and stuff like that in it. I can't imagine you're the type of player that have got framed shirts on the wall and, and stuff like that. No, I've got, I mean, you can see I've got the kids in here. I, what, what I did have at the other house, we, we, we moved house and I had a few framed shirts, um, but they're in the garage, in the on the tris of the garage, hmm. just because, just then got room to put them in anymore. And, you know what I mean? Like, no, no one's really bothered, the kids don't. I've got a couple of balls, Atric balls are in the cabinet in the living room. <laughs> but really, like I said, when you have three girls, the kids, they, they don't care. Yeah. Not cared for years. It's only when like the boy, boyfriend or, and, oh, God, you know, your dad will, and they'll look on you, children. They'll be a bit proud of me, but not, not give a monkeys before then. Do you know what I mean? Like, just, you're just dad, aren't you? Just, yeah. Someone who shouts at them all, or you've got to go to bed now. But um, this stuff there, every now and again, I do. Like I say, YouTube's a grip. Every now and again, when I'm on my own, I'll put, I'm not going to say I don't, because it's like, people say I don't, of course they do. I'll look on YouTube. Every now and again, I'll put my goals on. And um, I'll have a little smirk, because I don't do anything, and I don't think yet any other time. I don't think, oh, God, I wish I were still football. I don't. Did what I did. But every now and again, I do look at the goals and I think, God, that was, you know, funny. Or didn't do too 
bad considering, you know, maybe the the way that things went early on. It were it worked out okay. Not, not only been, did not only did you and did you and Reedy have the 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 goals, but you also had the personality to go with it. And like I remember there was like a soccer AM where there was yeah, the, yeah. All celebration and stuff and you know Yeah, yeah. well that was that was from that, that led from me going to Chesterfield and we played pre-season in, like I said in Scotland and I didn't score a goal and I was under a bit of pressure and I played the first game of the season and even though we beat York I didn't score and Port Vale was on the Tuesday always the Coca-Cola Cup Rumble or whatever it was called was on the Tuesday and we played Port Vale and I scored an header and I jumped into Reeves's and kissed him <laughs> I was that happy that's what you do I mean that's what you do. That's what I'm talking about. The intensity of just a goal. It was like I jumped in Reese's arm and kissed him. And it were on soccer AM all year. He used to play the music and <laughs> it was just like that. That's what, what it were. But and that happened with soccer AM. And in them days, soccer, everyone watched soccer AM. You know, like and me and Reese were on and Ellen Chamberlain come later on in the year and she presented us with a picture of me like it. In Reese's arms, and um, I've still got it into somewhere. I don't know, somewhere in lost somewhere. I don't know, but yeah, just just great days.